Blog Talk Radio. Intersections Matches Talk Radio, a monthly holistic lifestyle show focused on the continual evolution into the best versions of our authentic selves. This is Justina, your host. I'm the founder of Intersections Match, the only national matchmaking and dating coaching company focused on South Asian singles in North America. As a dating coach and matchmaker, I'm always interested in fresh perspectives from fellow relationship experts Tell me, provide unparalleled service to our clients. And I'm very excited to welcome author and evolutionary relationship expert Susan Winter to our show today. Susan has authored a couple of different books, the most recent of which is Allowing Magnificence, Living the Expanded Version of Your Life, which we will be discussing today in conjunction with some of her thoughts regarding dating and relationships. Welcome to the show, Susan. Justina, thank you very much. I love the tagline of your show, Best Version of Your Authentic Self. I mean, that could have been the tagline of my book. That's fabulous. I love this. Uh, That must be why I, you know, I just thought your book was fabulous, and I'm very excited to introduce our listeners to it. Now, I also found very interesting that you have a lengthy bio of other careers, and I'm wondering... How you got from opera singer to financial news broadcaster to author, and um, and how did you find yourself writing about relationships and personal evolution? So tell us about that. Okay, so you're going to really like this, especially coming from your perspective. I love it when life takes us on the journey that we're actually supposed to be on. You know, I did the things I thought I was skilled to do. I was a natural singer. I got a degree in theater as well. And I came to New York with all those skills, and I applied them because I did what was on the checklist of possible careers. And Mm -hmm. I found that, you know, 90% of your time, no matter how good you are, when you're in the performing arts, you're actually looking for the next job. And I kept thinking, hmm, can I do something else? And I met a gal who told me about an agent who did these weird things. I didn't know what it was. You worked as a spokeswoman for companies and you read scripts and it was a lot like Shakespeare. It was very, um, it was cryptic to a normal person. It was inside vernacular and I had an exceptional ability to understand point was from all the Shakespearean training so I did very well and then I morphed into Financial News Network which was a very big deal to not have a journalism degree. Um, It was the original MSNBC and so I had my own talk show. And then at the same time that I was at the height of my, what I thought was my chosen career, in my private life, I had fallen in love with a man 20 years younger. And Mm -hmm. I kind of knew that that wasn't really what one was supposed to do, but I knew it was real and right for me, and I couldn't deny it, so I allowed it to happen. 
And it was that detour, that being kicked off the freeway of what is right and correct, that I can thank today for actually bringing me to my true voice, my true words, not words written by a composer, not written by Shakespeare, not words, you know, written by uh, Goldman Sachs or Citigroup or, you know, some pharmaceutical company that I'm giving out, but real words about what I feel. And so uh, this is what I love about life, that when you finally are led to what you were meant to do, every skill you've ever had, no matter where you applied it, all starts to come together. And then you find your groove and life opens up doors that other people are knocking on and can't get in. Life really assists you. And so that's where I marvel at the wisdom of life. Wonderful. I love that. Almost looking back with hindsight, everything kind of makes sense. Although while you're doing it, you know, it's almost, you have no, you know, the the pathway is not clear in that sense, but um, it all comes together. Well, you know, allowing magnificence takes a different, well, it's an angle on relationships that I, I believe actually is a starting point too, but depending on relationships, and then it starts with the one's relationship with oneself. And um, tell, tell our listeners from your point of view, why is that so important to start there, the foundation being your relationship with yourself? Tell us about that. You know, that, that, that sets a precedent for any relationship you're going to have. And no mm-hmm. matter how my clients initially approach me, okay, so here's the story, and he's doing this, or she's not doing that. I'm getting mixed signals from her, and what do I do about this situation with him, and here's what's going on in my life. It's all about the Mm -hmm. other person, what they're doing or not doing. But when you start listening to them, on my end, you realize where they've been unclear, where they're not stepping into their power. It's it's really their fundamental uh, ability to change the entire context of their relationship by getting aligned with their authentic self and coming from that position, whether it's speaking their truth, gaining their clarity, using using discernment, whatever it is, you realize that the individual within the relationship is looking outward at the expression of what's really happening inside themselves. So even though they want to talk about John or they want to talk about the hot girl at work that's flirting with them, in the end we're going to be talking about them because that's where everything starts and the outside is just a mirror of what's going on inside us. Interesting. Now, to go deeper with that, you know, you write about the ways in which our self-worth, our identity, are connected to our authentic self. Tell us, tell us what you mean by that in terms of that connection. Well, you know, we start off in life by learning how to be according to the world around us. And the world okay. has come up with, our society has come up with, this is correct and this is not correct. And the society of uh, South, uh, South Asians may be a completely different reality than an American growing up in the Midwest, the value system, what is correct, what is right. So we grow up adopting a system generically good. It's been passed down by our ancestors, by our parents, to this is the correct way to live life. It's what I call the checklist. You go to the right schools, you do the right things, you marry the right person, you do this. And while it's a fine design, what we are not asking in that expression of our authentic self is, is this right and true for me? And how do I feel about this? Instead of taking on an identity that our world has said is appropriate, 
to really check in to see what our unique gift is here to live out and to create the life that we feel is correct, has meaning for us, to live a relationship that's authentic with who we are and our abilities and our desires. So initially we learn by following examples, and then there's the separation process where oftentimes we feel very disconnected, maybe from our family or our friends. We're changing, we're growing, and we're going in a different Mm -hmm. direction, and that's the uncharted journey that is often unsupported, but it is that very journey that has no markers. We don't know where we're going. It's all trial and error, new input. That's the beauty. That's, That's the real thing. That's where we're carving out how we feel at any given moment about this new input and whether it's a yes or a no for us. That's the true journey of living the authentic self. Wonderful. Now, let me find out about this. You, You call yourself an evolutionary relationship expert. Now, tell our listeners what you mean by that. What does that term mean to you? What, what I mean by that is that I'm not going to give you traditional advice on what you should do according to what you've heard in the past. Mm-hmm. I'll be giving you advice according to what you personally tell me is your desire. I don't have to agree with what you want. I have clients who want designs, what I call romantic designs, that, that sure. I, I personally don't want. It's, I'm not to be here in judgment about it. But you have to know what you want to create. And as a part of an evolutionary... Uh, relationship expert, I would say I got my introduction by being with a much, much younger man. There, there's no, there, there was no manual for me. When I was there, it was all trial and error. All of the society was against me. My family was against me. My friends didn't know what to do with me. Some people understood me. Other people kind of put up with it and watched with bated breath. So I was completely out in uncharted territory trying to create a meaningful, valid dynamic here. And I realized that I'd stepped outside of the boundaries of what we call normal relationships until I took, you know, I took a breath and I looked around and I thought, well, now, wait, I'm not the only one. There are a lot of Mm -hmm. people that are doing things that are a little bit different. And so this is the crafting of what's right for us. It's kind of like the person that goes in and they see the menu and they want the chicken, but they don't want the chicken with the sauce. So you're kind of going a la carte. You're, you know, you're creating uh-huh. your own thing like, okay, I want monogamy, sure. but I don't want it to be boring. So how can I craft into the foundation of this an ongoing growth as, as the foundation for what we're doing? Because obviously that's what's tearing apart so many of these couples that are together. So when people come in with an enlightened vision as to what they want to do, that's what I call an evolutionary relationship. And most of the books that they're going to pick off the shelf and most of the uh, you know, websites are going to come off of a, tr- a traditional mold. Men do this, women do this, gay couples do this, you know, whatever. It's kind of the rules, but you have to start sure. to now open up. You have to open up to what the person is trying to create and go with that dynamic and just infuse the best morals and ethics with whatever direction they're going in. So I think that is... I think all relationships are in the context of being evolutionary right now in our time period. I think more people are discovering that the set traditional format may not work for them and may not even work today in the world the way it was originally created 50 years ago or 100 years ago. And some people still want that. 
but we're growing and we've got so much input and so many changes, we can't ignore that and say, go away. You're disrupting my version of what I want to do here. So you've really got to allow for the influx of life and still amend your relationship prototype to, to reflect what you really want to create. And that's the evolutionary element, that we are designing the kind of relationship we want. And millennials are doing it from scratch. I mean, they've got no rules out there. They don't know what's going on. Everybody, you know, everybody's sleeping with everybody. Yeah. You're sleeping with a guy who's sleeping with five other people. You, the code amongst the millennials is for three months, the girls are not supposed to say a thing. So they're supposed to zip their mouth, you know, suck it up. And then that's where I'm starting to protest because I'm sorry, you're giving the guy your body. I think you have a right to express how you feel, okay, or at least state sure, what you want. Sure, sure. Yeah. Well, so you know, that's, it's interesting that's where I jumped in. Well, well, no, well, that is interesting. So in this evolution of relationship, so we're really talking about everyone sort of having a personal evolution and it being reflected in the way they are in their relationship, mm-hmm. their way of being mm-hmm. in the relationship. It's a, a reflection of their own personal evolution. And the more authentic they are to themselves in terms of that, the more, you know, the, you know, the more in tune with their own personal evolution they are. And having your exactly. relationship reflect that. Oh, wonderful. Well, in terms of, you know, and you jumped, you know, you, um, you mentioned millennials, which is great. You're mentioning, um, you know, the challenges um, that, you know, that our people are facing in terms of finding loving partnerships in today's world. Tell me, in your view, what are, what are some of the biggest, some of the greatest challenges that you find, you know, men and women facing in terms of finding their, their partners, uh, you know, nowadays? In the world in which we're living, and I'm speaking about mostly America and the European countries that I know, um, we woke up, okay, so the the day that the clock went 1201 in the year 2000, I don't know, for me, everything changed. It's like we jump cut forward. Whatever rules people were using to create relationships kind of went out of the window. Sex was completely open. People were expressing themselves, and I think it's wonderful that women are allowed to be sexually empowered and not chastised for that. But at the same time, you have an individual who's evolving, and you have a world that kind of erased all the rules. So it's a free-for-all. Mm-hmm. And, and mm-hmm. everybody's out there, and if they didn't want to evolve, well, they've got to now because the whole construct is all messed up. So in a way, we've had a forced evolution where people are really having to deal with a system that's got no rules. They know the rules of the old system, but nobody's willing to play by it. So now they're having to deal with life the way it is and dating the way it is. Nobody knows what's going on, but you still have people that are wanting love and wanting partnership and wanting meaningful connection, How, you know, however they interpret that, whether that means mm-hmm. for two or three months or that means for a lifetime. And so now everybody is faced with having to get very clear on what they want and having the courage to be able to state that and not worry about what the other person feels. You may have to say goodbye to eight or nine prospective suitors because, you know, you just told them the truth. Yeah, I, I you know, I kind of like monogamy. Sorry, I'm not into polyamory. I'm not into being number two. You know, I kind of want to mm-hmm. be number one. Mm-hmm. That may be a drag yeah. on some guys that are just kind of dating around and want to have a good time, but you've got to say goodbye to those people to be clear. And somebody will want what you want. And conversely, there are many people nowadays who are exploring open relationships 
which demand an incredible amount of trust. And let's get clear on, on the definition of open relationship. Open relationship doesn't mean nobody asks any questions and I get to sleep with whomever I like. An open relationship means that you have a primary one person that you are committed to and you are both aware, informed, and and acknowledging the other partners that are coming in and out and both in agreement to what's happening. It doesn't mean some guy gets to say, well, you know, I'm in an open relationship so you can sleep with me and, uh, by the way, you've just got to kind of deal with the other women. That's not an open relationship. Uh, you know, those yeah. are constructed sure. through agreements. In in a way, it's kind of forcing dialogue that we've never had before, which is exciting. No, that, that is interesting with a new paradigm. But let's say um, for our listeners who, you know, I would say our listeners, generally speaking, they are interested in seeking a mate. That's when, you know, there's so many paradigms, like you say, out there. But for listeners who are seeking a mate, any suggestions you might have for them as, in terms of what to consider? I know you mentioned clarity, which I think is a, you know, a great starting point. What, what, you know, what, what is it that you think listeners um, you know, would be well advised to, to consider for themselves when seeking a mate? Right. Um, okay, so the first thing, of course, like you said, is clarity. You've got to know what you want and don't be afraid to speak it. If anybody runs away from you on a first date and they say, what are you looking for? And you say, you know, I want to get married and have a family. I want to find a life partner and build a wonderful, dynamic life. If, if you're hesitant to say that, please don't be. It's valuable information. It doesn't mean that person has to be the one, but you should never feel ashamed to say whatever you want. So if you want to, say you're in a transitional phase and you uh, haven't done a lot of dating or you finished grad school and you didn't get a chance to play and you say, you know, I just want to have a good time. I want a meaningful mm-hmm. relationship, but I just want to have a good time and I don't know if I'm going to want to be in it for the long haul, but this is what I'd, I'd like to experience closeness. I'd like to experience a, a lover who, who I can take to visit my friends. I'd like to have a travel partner. I'd like to see somebody a couple times a week. I think it's absolutely wonderful to have the courage to be that honest and that clear about what you want to experience because it gives the person on the other end an ability to think it over. And again, don't ever feel badly about being that specific because while you will certainly lose a number of people who don't want what you want, you will absolutely gain the one who absolutely wants what you want. And you don't want hundreds. You want the one. You want the one who wants what you want. And even if you paired with somebody that pretended or they were unclear, eventually that would be a problem. So if you're unclear, they're going to be unclear. And so, again, know what you want. And then Mm -hmm. I would factor in the qualities that you want to experience in your relationship and the qualities that are most important in your partner. Qualities in your relationship to you. How important is travel? You know, how do you work out each person's job? Uh, What is your end goal? How do you see the relationship functioning in terms of your work life? How do you see it functioning in terms of if you're going to have children? Because partner selection is the ability to look at somebody and say, this person has the individual qualities that I admire and respect in the long run. You know, it's so interesting because um, if we were doing a business deal together, I would certainly be asking you all sorts of questions about what is your mission statement, 
what do you believe in with your company, what is, what is so important about your product or service, and yet we're so afraid to ask that when we're choosing a life partner, you know? Mm, but you, ironic, right? yes. It, it yes. is ironic. We don't it's hesitate really when we're yes. analyzing who would be an ally in business or who we should be involved with. We're looking at what they stand for, how they function, how ethical they are, how, how much they, in, they will tolerate risk, but we don't ever think about this when we're looking at the most important selection, which will be our mate. And these are things that have to be more important than they're hot, they're cute, they're sexy, they drive a great car. Those things are going to be very transient. But the other questions are, are imperative to ask in proper mate selection. And 90, well, it's, it's the, I think the two most important things are clarity on what you want to experience and then partner selection that matches the qualities that you most admire that need to be in that experience, the mentality, the disposition. Wonderful. Now, as an evolutionary relationship expert, I think this is going to dovetail with what you just said. Mm -hmm. As an evolutionary relationship expert, you know, where one's own personal evolution is so integral, how can, and let's focus on women for a second, so how can young women best prioritize all of the important decisions facing them regarding you know, career, love, family, friends. You know, do you have any advice um, on how to, how to work through it all? Yeah, you know, they're faced, um, the young women nowadays are faced with tremendous challenges. I mean, I think they really hit the genetic gene pool lotto. These gals are so beautiful. They're ambitious. They're empowered. The only thing they lack is trusting themselves. And it's not a young woman's game. Trusting yourself comes over a period of time, so you cannot fault mm -hmm. any of these girls for not having true inner confidence. They're, they're learning everything for the first time. And nobody's expected to know this stuff out of the gate because part of deciding what works for you is learning what doesn't work. So I'd say sure. be, easy, be easy on yourself. Understand you're overwhelmed with a new job. There's a learning curve there. That might not be the best time to start the love of your life. Maybe you want to wait a little bit, get your feet wet, get, get comfortable in your job, and then when you can take a breath, focus on a relationship. But I, I, I agree. I, I wish I had a very, very simple answer. They've got everything coming at them at once. All I can say is don't stress. Don't beat yourself up. You are not going to know this till you walk through it. There's no other way but trial and error. I'm sorry. I wish I had some magic bullet, but life is trial and error and recalibration. That's all it is. You experience it. Sure. You assess it. You recalibrate. No other way around it. You just got here. You just got out of it. You just hit the starting line. You try, to, try to understand you're okay. You don't have to know everything yet. And there are no mistakes. Ah, well, speaking of recalibration and there are no, no mistakes or really, um, what do they say, that, um, you know, failures basically, I don't even know the phrase, but, you know, uh, failures steps away from success, that kind of, the kind of idea that, you know, success only right, right. is it's a, great, a failure, yeah. right? Um, what is the biggest, we'll just put it in quotes, mistake, or the biggest kind of, let's say, um, pitfall? What, what, what are some of the biggest pitfalls that a woman could, um, you, know, you know, 
makes today or, or falls under in trying to find love, given you know, all the challenges that you mentioned, which certainly, um, you know, exist today. What, what is the biggest kind of pitfall that you well, find you know, recurring patterns? Yeah, yeah I, I'm going to say something that probably isn't something you're expecting to hear, but uh, quit listening to what the world is telling you. Uh, okay. The worst mm-hmm. advice you can get is from most of your girlfriends or from those dumb magazines that tell you what to do. Mm. I, yeah. I mean, I have never seen more bad advice tailored to young women telling them the 27 things to turn him on in bed and never once asking, and what do you want? Telling you to look really hot in those high heels and never asking you, do you even want to wear high heels to begin with and is that even your style? Uh, You know, I think young women are most susceptible to being confused because they're not listening to themselves because they're still, like, like we were talking about before, in the evolution of finding your authentic self. In the beginning, you take on what everybody is telling you to do. And your friends are probably giving you all the wrong advice because they're as messed up as you are. So when you're confused, the best thing you can do is to quit listening to everything anybody is saying and check in with yourself. How do you feel? How do you, what do you want? What's right for you? And have the courage to trust yourself. If you could trust yourself early in the game, you would have 30 years on me because I didn't wake up until my late 40s. I mean, I really didn't wake up to trust myself because it was what I call the last card in the deck. I tried this <laughs> format. And that, uh-huh. Yeah, it was like I pulled up the number 52, the last card. I tried different spirituality. I tried different ideas. I tried to do what the world said. Some worked sometimes. Some worked in some cases. I never got the right answer. And then I thought, what would happen if I listened to myself? And when you listen to yourself, the first thing you're going to notice is you're not doing anything like your friends are doing, and you're making decisions that are so novel, they're going to shock you. But if the impulse tells you to go with it, follow it, because that's where the magic is, and that's leading you to yourself. And, and so lighten up on yourself and, and trust yourself. Don't listen to those people. They don't know either. And the more they clamor and tell you this is the way, the more confused they are. You know, I, that is so empowering. And I think listening to yourself, trusting yourself, what's wonderful about that, it really refines your gut, right? It refines your, um, it paves the way for further, you know, deeper, deeper trust in terms of that. So um, It so does. Because if young gals can start early, that, that they're going to jump on the bandwagon of the slogan that you have that is so magnificent, the best version of your authentic self, by trusting themselves. Understand that when you trust yourself, I promise you, the choices you make will have your friends telling you you're wrong. Then you know you're right. Because when, <laughs> right, because if you follow the masses, you'll be as confused as the masses. But when you start to have the courage to listen to yourself and you get the courage to follow yourself, and it's going to look wrong before it ever turns right, and you just stay with it, your inner wisdom is guiding you in a way that is so far beyond the magazines, and whatever the dating information is you're getting from the the masses, that you're going to start to calibrate that ultimate wisdom, which is your authentic self talking to you. And you're born with a manual that is so brilliant. I I truly believe, and I said this in the book, uh, Allowing Magnificence, that we were born with the most magnificent computer program inside us, but it's tailored specifically for us. 
and and it's not the manual that you get that's the generic factory uh, manual. It is your manual. And when you start to go to that for guidance and you start to listen to that, you're not only going to feel empowered in the light of everybody else's you know comments, you're going to feel that the results of of that unbelievable connection with your truth. And then your choices, it doesn't matter what the others say. It's a bit of a transit to get there, but you have to weather everybody doubting you until before you know it, they're all following you. And that's how it works. First they first they think you're crazy, then they think mm-hmm. there's something wrong with you, then they then they don't want to be around you, and then finally they're calling you for advice and you're on T V shows. I mean that's what happened to me. So <laughs> I really believe that's the way it goes. <laughs> that's great. You know, speaking of everyone else's comments, you know, social media and other you know, technology in general is, you know, another sort of another way, you know, in terms of the modern world and another part of that in terms of ramifications of that um, with dating in the modern world. So I'm wondering, you know, in your experience or, you know, with your expertise, face-to-face communication sometimes can seem to become, you know, eclipsed with all, all between social media and all the new technologies that are available. Um, how, can, how can people, how can singles actually use these technologies um, strategically as a, as a tool, actually, as an asset, as opposed to allowing them to become liabilities for them um, in the whole dating world. Is there any thoughts regarding that? Well, I heard a, a really good commentary. I went to the uh, Massachusetts Women's Conference. They have 10,000 women. And I went last December, okay. and uh, Randy Zuckerberg was talking about, uh, she, she made a comment saying, your online presence is your resume. So the first thing mm. to remember is anything you put in, anything you type, any electronic medium is there forever. So yes. be very much aware that whatever you're bantering about on Facebook or whoever you're bashing or whatever you're saying, whatever your Twitter feed is, that is representing you in a way that not everybody gets the full context. You know, we don't always understand where the humor is. We don't always understand what somebody's saying. I, I have a sense of humor, and it's more wit-oriented. It's more self-effacing, and sometimes I'll say something, and people get very bent out of shape. They don't know that I'm joking. So, uh, you know, you have to be mm-hmm. very uh, aware of the medium has its limitations. At the same time, sure. it has such an amazing reach. Uh, social media is a great way for you uh, in the reverse to check into what people really think and, and watch their feed. And is this a person that I like the way they think? Do I like the way they respond? Are they hot-headed? Are they dogmatic? Are they open-minded? Are they generous? So it also gives you a lot of information about them. And I think we also have to look at the online dating medium as something that's it's here to stay. I mean, we're doing so much online. Why not date online? And it gives you greater possibilities to meet more people. But again, online dating is a very different animal where people can present whatever image they want. And I'm sure your listeners have done the the reverse search on telephone numbers and email addresses and photos to find that sometimes the people they think they're talking to are not the people they're talking to. And just mm-hmm. understand that it's important to meet right away and meet in a public place. And, and, is, and, and I always advise my girls not to get into long chats. And don't let guys wrangle you into, well, do you have any more photos of you in a bathing suit? They're not even going to want to meet you. If they're going there, 
they're not looking for anything serious. They're testing the waters of, you know, can they get a booty call? So I, I really have everybody cut those conversations off, make their online profile very clear. I'm looking for this. I'm looking for that. Don't send me a photo that's, you know, X-rated. I'm looking for a partner. And then all of your conversations are in alignment with that. And the minute somebody tries to go in another direction, you cut them off. You just cut them off. And my girls have all found great guys because of that training of staying on course. So that's just sure. for online. Sure. No, absolutely. That, um, tell me, um, it's future. Now, when you look at the modern world of dating, what, what changes do you envision? What changes do you see happening? Well, you're going to like this. As a futurist, you know, the material you're reading now was written 10 years ago. I could see where it was going, and now I'm standing in the middle of it, and some of the books that are sitting in my computer that haven't been released yet are declaring this would happen now. And so it's 10 years after these books are written and not published. So I'm going to tell you the very, very good news that I see, and I hear it from the young guys who talk to me all the time. There are wonderful young men in this world. There is a great gift that we're going to be seeing in the next 10 years that you can't even imagine right now. But let's look at it like this. Somebody broke into the candy store, and all the kids are eating candy. Everything's for free. They're eating as much sugar as they want. They're all having a good time. Now, what's going to happen with this open sexuality and no rules? Right now, guys are getting filled. They can have sex two, three, four times. They can go back to the same bar and have sex twice a night maybe girls that are friends with each other, from what my guys tell me. It's, it's, in New York, it's pretty crazy if you're a good-looking guy. So mm-hmm. with all the sex that's happening, there's going to be an economics uh, to it. And, and you, you've heard of the utility factor. So if everything is prevalent, everything is easily accessible, it becomes commonplace. Mm-hmm. I'm sure. finding consistent grumbling in young men in men of all ages, saying, I can sleep with whomever I want. I want I want a really wonderful girl. Are there no wonderful girls left? So this is very important information that women, although it seems like this is the worst time for them to be dating, it will be the best time. But the only thing that changes that is you've got to be clear on the course of who you are, live in your power and your dignity, and don't give up your values just to function in today's world because there is a man who has had his fill of the candy and is looking for you desperately, desperately looking for you. So don't let your friends tell you what you should be doing to get a guy to date you because a lot of guys will date you, but that doesn't mean they'll stay with you. Oh, I love that. That is a great present in terms of because that. A sort of the high-value woman, and that really the high value starts with her recognizing that in herself and yep. maintaining that. So it really is a very empowered way to be in terms of that and realizing how much it's valued by the guys. And I completely agree in terms of, you know, from, from my conversations with men, in terms of that is what they really are seeking, you know, yep. for the long haul. For the long term. So, um, you know, fascinating insights, Susan. Really appreciate it. Well, I think that's the good news because, you know, we're standing in a very difficult time. And I know gals don't want to wait 10 years, but I'm thinking it's going to take 10 years for everybody to get sick of this. But since you've got this 
open, open field of everybody having sex, and sex happens right away. I mean, forget three dates or a week or, two, you know, it's got to happen in the first three dates or the guy's going to bump you off it. And, you know, if he does, fine. If you don't want that and you want something, you want a high-value man, wait for your high-value man. And even for the gals that don't want that, where this sounds like really old school, whatever you want to create with a man, I don't care if it's a great weekend or a great summer, Put some value into it. Make it have meaning for you. Don't be less because they can't be more. Never let them make you less than you know you can be because you're not going to enjoy it. Absolutely, absolutely. And the meaning, uh, it's what you infuse in it, really. Um, and absolutely. I, you know, and I'll say, you know, that is, I will also say, though, in right now in this moment there are guys who um, – you know, who want that high value. So it's, um, so whether they can do a kid in the candy store and, and many of them can, and again, that's on men as well as women. I, you know, I'm big on personal responsibility. So the, if the women are allowing it, then that's, you know, then that's um, also there. But in terms of, you know, in terms of seeking that high value, I completely agree that there are men right now in this moment who, who actually are, are hungry for that as well. So that, of course they um, are. You know, and that's, um, well, you know, any last thoughts, any take-home messages beyond the, you know, amazing insights you've already shared, but any other take-home messages or last thoughts, Susan, that you'd like to leave our listeners with? And, and, and I'd also, I, I know they, they'd love to hear how they can connect with you as well. Um, any last thoughts? And please share how they can connect with you as well. Well, the fact that they're listening to your show, they're getting really great information. Because, again, what you're driving for is the same thing I'm driving for. Because when you have people that know who they are and they're living their authentic self, they will not deviate from their truth. And when you have that segment of the population on board and aligned with themselves, everything that they do will be an easier decision and will have less drama and chaos. Most of the stuff that we've suffered through was just because we didn't trust uh, what we wanted and we didn't listen to ourselves and we weren't true to ourselves. So that is really the best advice. Stick with people who, who endorse your being true to yourself. Check in with who you are, what you want. Trust that you are right and understand that part of getting your whole your whole life calibrated the way you want, it comes through a series of trials and errors. It's a, life is challenge and reward. You can't eliminate what You're not making a mistake if you've got challenges. But, but mm-hmm. there is a reward at the end of all the challenges. So don't think you're doing something wrong. That's how it's crafted. We can't get around that. And don't let some doctrine tell you it's always got to be wonderful and good. That's not even the way, that's not even truthful. And it's making you think you're screwing up. But you're going to have challenges, but it's how you meet those challenges and then how you use that information, edify yourself and get clear that is the purpose behind that challenge. Uh, and, and just trust yourself. You know far more. You were born with every answer inside you. And, and nobody's got your answers. And it's, it's your goal and duty in life to, to bring that essence forth and, and show that gem to the world so that the rest of us can see it. And that's what I'd say. And, and if you'd like to contact me, I have a website, www.susanwinter.net. 
And on Facebook, please come like the page. I talk to everybody. We have a great group of people. It's author Susan Winter on Facebook. And, and let me know you came through this show and tell me what you want to hear about. And I, I talk to everybody personally as much as I can. I don't want one of those dead Facebook pages where you just promote yourself. I don't want to do that. I want to know who you are. So um, yeah, that's it. Well, thank you so much, Susan. It's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Oh, Justina, thank you for your message and allowing me to be able to share this. You know, this is this is really rare for me as well and, and very much valued, so thank you. Oh, my pleasure. And in case you joined us late, would like to share the show with people in your life. I'd like to remind you that today's radio show will be archived and available as a podcast on Intersections Match's website, which is www.intersectionsmatch.com. Appreciate your hanging out with us, and make sure to join us for next month's show. Have a great night, everyone. Take care.